somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. That's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Uh, you know, it's a good thing you're listening to this show because I'm telling you, we have uh, we have broken a lot of news, really, when you think about it. Um, and uh, our track record has been really nice, really good. You know, I, I'm really proud of the work we've done. Um, but... Whitney Webb, I played, uh, she had an interview with uh, Clayton Morris on Redacted, and she was talking about, she was talking about the uh, the cyber attacks, and, you know, when you listen to Klaus Schwab talking about the cyber attacks, and, and you see all these, uh, you know, like, uh, globalists talking about COVID and the next pandemic, talking about climate change, talking about cyber attacks. They seem to, you know, everything that they do seems to sort of meddle in the business. They create these problems. And that's just it. They they create these, these problems that... Uh, that they then they themselves get to fix and put away. You know that how convenient, right? How convenient. So, like last refuge, Sundance over at the conservative treehouse says, "Let's." Well, someone says this: Jennifer Griffin, Jennifer Griffin, news re, famous for news reporter, right? 46 top former national security uh, officials signed letter urging Congress to reauthorize FISA 702 legislation needed to fight terrorism, fentanyl, traffickers, and cyber attacks. We cannot hamstring the U.S. intelligence community. They write, Section 702 saves lives, saves American lives. Gosh darn it. 
And these serious-minded people, you know, they get up there and they all look so important. Like, we have the intelligence. We're privileged. We're special. We get invited to the special parties in D.C. But they are nothing but slime. They're deceivers. And they hold on to bits of information and sell it for profit. It's the only thing that gives them value because they're really not that bright. They need an advantage. They need a putt and tee off from the girl tees if if they're a dude. I mean, the point is they always need that leg up, that advantage, that equity balance so that they can then utilize their special privilege of collecting half the time this stuff isn't even classified or it should never be classified and they hold on to this data and they make it sound like it's something important just like chris ray says well we can't talk about that that's classified we can't talk about that that's under investigation it's an ongoing investigation we can't talk about all that they just classify stuff to cover it up And the people that get the classifications, Adam Schiff was a great example of that during the Russian hoax. We now know he lied through his teeth. If you could see what I saw, I see, but we can't share it with the public. Well, we now see what he saw, and he was lying. How many more lies do we have to be told before we call it a day and just say, you know, get the hell out of office? So, for you know, Jennifer Griffin, serious reporter, Fox News, says 46 top former national officials signed 702. What's a 702? 702 is basically uh, eavesdropping, wiretaps. FISA 702 legislation needed to fight terrorism. So, it's part of the, it's an offshoot of the Patriot Act. You know, the FISA warrants, 702. To, to, um, and then there's 302s where the FBI writes up anything that they feel like they interpreted in an interview, sort of like what they would did with Jennifer, Gen, General Flynn, and they doctored those 302s. So 702s, 302s, FBI is corrupt, FISA, FISA courts are corrupt. I don't want anything to do with it. Thank goodness for Rand Paul, he's putting his foot down and saying, we got to de- get get out of all wars until a Congress approves. And he's putting forth some legislation that's going to require that. Let's hope he's right. So it says here, let's open the border and flood the U.S. with potential terrorists, then tell the American public we need FISA 702 to monitor them. Hey, great plan. So we're going to basically let all the terrorists in our country then wake up one day and say, wow, we have, uh, we have information, classified information that says we are under attack. There are some credible uh, terrorist events being planned and uh, prepared. We have credible evidence of wrongdoing about to happen. And all of a sudden, boom, 
They got themselves a 702. They got themselves wiretapping all your stuff. Now think about this. It's bad enough that you choose to get a phone and then they choose to wiretap your phone because you have a phone. But then the government, with this central bank digital currency BS, is basically saying, well, you need a phone, like in Canada, because of the vaccine passport. You can't come back into our country, even if you're a Canadian citizen, unless you have the Canadian One Pass or whatever it was, Canadian Pass. But I'm a Canadian. Here's my passport. Let me go to my home. No, you got to have this thing. And there were so many people that were being stopped at the airport trying to get back into their own country because they didn't have this pass. Oh, and by the way, the pass was an app with a GPS tracker um, that they had to show their phone. So you're like, whoa, what is that about? I mean, really? So I need to have a phone just to live? But then you're going to wiretap my phone? Why don't I just plant a chip in my arm like they talked about several decades ago? Why don't we just get it over and done with? If that's what you want, you know, and what? why do you want to know my whereabouts? So I have no freedom, no anonymity, no civil liberties? You want my money to be all digital so if I step out of line... You can freeze it, or you could arrange, if I'm a perfect citizen, I don't step out of line. I do everything perfectly. I live a pure life. But hey, you know, you bought too much uh, cow flatulence this month. You're going to be limited, or taxed, or both. You've reached your quota. Equity. And I thought about equity recently, and I was thinking, it's so funny how every time there's socialism, it thrives off of capitalist net profits. So capitalism, you know, creates this booming economy, this freedom to to get rich. Then all of a sudden, oh, you're too rich. Now you're going to have to pay your fair share. We're going to have to take you down a notch. Equity. But the thing is, is that there's always going to be that if you have equity and you have no incentive to thrive or win, then you're not going to have excellence. You're not going to have innovation. But say, you know, there's some people that just do it for the love of it. And then still they're going to somehow reap the benefits of their extra work. You're never going to have true equity. That's impossible to to manage. But we have this cyber attack now going on too. And we warned you about this on the Scott Adams Show. Scott Adams Show warned you about this. Whitney Webb warned us all about it. And uh, kudos to Clayton Morris for getting this interview. And then you got this weird thing going on with the Obamas. You know, Big Mike, Obama, the former first 
lady? You know, with the huge shoulders that looks like a linebacker and her dweezil husband that is a race-baiting monster? You know, it was um, Michelle Obama that said for the first time in her life, she was proud of her country. And you're like, wow, that's, uh, that's, a, that's a little harsh. Here's the quote. In 2008, when Obama was about to get elected, she hated being an American for 44 years. For the first time, in quotes, for the first time in my adult life, I am proud of my country. Michelle Obama. Mike, Big Mike, we like to call her around here. Big Mike. Well, Barack and Michelle Obama just produced their first fiction film on Netflix called Leave the World Behind. The plot is about a cyber attack that shuts down all the power and cripples the United States. Wow, some president writing about that. And it's all sort of coming true. How do these, how do these globalists know what's about to come down the pike? Start COVID, give pandemic uh, uh, powers to the WHO, have it run by a tribal world leader from Africa who's a terrorist, and put him in charge of your sovereignty of your country. It's all about knocking America off the superpower list and knocking us down a notch, and that's 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 fine by them. They they want that. They want America to be a spoke in a wheel. But somebody's going to be in charge. Is it Klaus Schwab? Is it Barack Obama? Is it Bill Gates? They all tend to be liberal. Larry Fink? BlackRock? Who is it? Who's going to be in charge? I don't know. But this is pretty disturbing. Listen to this. I'm asking for you to remember that if the world falls apart, trust should not be dulled out easily to anyone, especially white people. Especially white people. Sounds like a Harvard president. Sounds like the president of Harvard. They even managed to sneak a scene in bashing white people. The plot is about cyber attack. Okay, so this is this, um, this movie on Netflix. And... It's like War of the Worlds or something like that. It's, it's, it's some weird thing. This guy named Damus Young, whiteness is a pandemic. He writes, the only way to stop it is to locate, locate it, isolate it, extract it, and kill it. And then the Harvard president's like, from the river to the sea, just exterminate all Jews. That's okay. That, that doesn't fall outside of the Harvard standards. There's meme after meme of of just flat out jokes because, you know, obviously it's so stupid. These liberals are so moronic but and hateful and intolerant. But here here's Klaus Schwab. He was ahead of the curve. We all know, but still pay insufficient attention to the frightening scenario of a comprehensive cyber attack which would bring to a complete halt to the 
power supply, transportation, hospital services, our society as a whole. The COVID-19 crisis would be seen in this respect as a small disturbance in comparison to a major cyber attack. Oh. To use the COVID-19 <clears throat> crisis as a timely opportunity to reflect on the lessons the cybersecurity community can draw and improve our preparedness for a potential cyber pandemic. He sounds like the evil guy in Die Hard, <laughs> you know? He's just like an evil guy personified. I mean, his grandfather or his father was a Nazi in Germany. So listen to this. This is like, where do they get off in all these predictions? Take a listen to this little medley. If a thousand Transformers are knocked out, we'll end up with massive social disruption. Top former energy official claims an attack on an American power grid was terrorism. Virtually every study you'll see has an anarchistic component that leads to rioting. It is almost inevitable. Imagine what will happen if there is no food, no power, and no money, and no transportation. Only people with guns and the boldness to go and take what they need to survive will live. There may and likely will come a time in which we have both an airborne disease that is deadly. And in order for us to deal with that effectively, we have to put in place an infrastructure, not just here at home, but globally, that allows us to see it quickly, isolate it quickly, respond to it quickly. So that if and when a new strain of flu, like the Spanish flu, crops up five years from now or a decade from now, we've made the investment. And we're further along to be able to catch it. It is a smart investment that there will be a challenge to the coming administration in the arena of infectious diseases, both chronic infectious diseases in the sense of already ongoing disease. And we have certainly a large burden of that. But also there will be a surprise outbreak. How do they know? So in the next five to ten years. How do, they the see, how do these guys know? We will we'll solve all those problems. You say the next pandemic. There will be another pandemic. Absolutely. We don't know when. You know, the risk per year, 2%, 3%. Uh, the next pandemic, and there will be one. There will absolutely be an outbreak of another pandemic. We definitely will have to face other surprises, black swans, as they are called, uh, maybe different kinds of viruses. But also there will be a surprise outbreak. Most of the work we're going to do to be ready for pandemic two, I, I call this pandemic one. There will be certainly what we call the black swans the unpleasant surprises <clears throat> which will come in our way not be what there's no reason to be walking around with a mask this would be seen in this respect as a small disturbance in comparison to a major cyber attack Well, you get the idea, right? They're just constantly 
uh, predicting the future, and it's kind of it's kind of crazy. So uh, I'm looking for this. Uh, I have a couple. I have several audio uh, for today, but uh, I'm trying to figure out the the right one. Let's see. Well, take take this one for for example. Uh, I can't remember talking about. Oh no no no! We're going to play that later. Okay, sorry about that. All right, this is interesting. All right, so this is the new news that break, broke yesterday. Let's take a listen. With China's People's Liberation Army, have infiltrated critical services here in the U.S. Alexandra Hoff joins us now from our nation's capital. Alex, this is not good. No, it's not. I mean, this infiltration appears to be part of a broader effort to insert chaos into our logistical systems. The information collected could then be weaponized if the U.S. and China were to become engaged directly in the Pacific. According to reporting from The Washington Post, citing multiple U.S. and industry security officials, China's cyber army army is invading critical U.S. services, like an attempt to break into the system behind Texas's independent power grid. Other victims include a water utility in Hawaii, a West Coast port, and at least one oil and gas pipeline according to that report you're seeing there. Brandon Wells, executive director of the Department of Homeland Security Cybersecurity Agency, told the Washington Post this, quote, it is very clear that Chinese attempts to compromise critical infrastructure are in part to pre-position themselves to be able to disrupt or destroy that critical infrastructure in the event of a conflict to either prevent the United States from being able to project power into Asia or to cause societal chaos in the United States to affect our decision making. Nope. Sorry about that. <laughs> Caller, you're on the air. Oh, uh, sorry. Yeah, good morning, Scott. Yeah. Uh, Mel in Saratoga Springs, oh, New York. Oh, hey, How Mel. are you today? Uh, doing well. Uh, yes. You know, I was listening to your clip earlier in regards to uh, Barack Obama and that big mic and uh, Klaus Schwab, Bill Gates. You know, what is Barack Obama and, and Michelle Obama or Michael Obama saying? How, how far do you think you're going to get with, with those eugenicists who Bill Gates... Uh, father was connected with Margaret Sanger. If Klaus Schwab's old man was a freaking Nazi, they're going to kill those black sons of you know what in, in no time flat. They're just going to use them to get what they need out of them, and they're gone. They're going to get. They're going to get it. I mean, so that that Barack who thinks he's so goddamn smart. Oh, oh, be be careful we, with the language. Well, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. That thinks he's so goddamn smart. How in the world does he? Those two. <laughs> I'm an American who happens to be black and proud of it. I'm a registered Republican, and I support President Trump with both hands. And I'll vote often. I'll vote early and vote often. But uh, it's just the fact that what are these two stupid? They're supposed to be so intelligent, so so black. I mean, don't you think you'd want to protect yourself from these, from these criminals? These, these they want to, well, they want to take will, your guns away. You know, so yeah. Before every dictator took over uh, their country. They had a gun confiscation scheme. You know, it's kind of interesting. Right, um, right, right, exactly. Take the guns, you, you take away freedom. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, it, but it's just so, so uh, you know, they, they, they're just tools to the Democrat Party and to this eugenicist global initiative that they, it's, you know, if you've gone to college, you've had that, 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 that intelligence. Don't you think, don't you have comments to see what those that, are, that would, what, that you think that, are your friends will yeah. do you? But you know I what? Mean, uh, judge, judging from their past, you know, I think that um, one of the things I think is a really great takeaway. I think that the conservative movement is I, well. I think that the liberal uh, 
the average liberal voter who's ill-informed, I think, is starting to it's they're starting to get wind that Twitter's not so bad. They're finding their the the, the facts. They're finding that the media has been lying to them. They're starting to find out the truth, and what they're finding is that they've been lied to, and I think that's why you see these inroads with regard to this. Um, these three presidents uh, from Penn, MIT, and Harvard, right? And now everybody's piling on Claudine Gay after McGill resigned. But, um, you know, the idea here is that they are truly um, starting to wake up. The whole fact that there's this pushback now, I think, is steam and momentum against this woke agenda that everybody knows now that Black Lives Matter is a Marxist group that exploited black people and hoarded all the cash. Everybody knows uh, that there's two standards of justice and what is happening to Trump. Like, I think that they've overreached. They've taken a little bit too bi- big of a bite out of the apple, and they've made themselves obvious. And I think that there's new arguments out with regard to climate, and with uh, and we're learning more and more about the scamdemic, and we're learning that we shouldn't trust the same people associated with those things for with central bank digital currencies, especially now that we're now faced with a Chinese cyber attack. You know, you put a million dollars into a central bank digital currency, and all of a sudden overnight that digital currency is wiped out. And they're like, well, that's the cost of doing uh, war. That's the cost of war. You know, and that your whole life savings is wiped, wiped out. Correct. It, you know, so it, people are starting that, to become you know, I, a lot more skeptical. And I really think that the Trump phenomenon uh, heading into 2024, there's not an algorithm out there that can break the Trump train this time. They could cheat, but they're not going to have enough registered voters to cheat, especially if they can crack down on these illegal registrations from these illegal ID numbers that are coming through this open southern border. You know, I was in Queens, New York, about three weeks ago. Okay. And I was at a at a, at a place, you know, a bar on Jamaica Avenue. And it's uh, in a mixed neighborhood. There were a couple, you know, all white folks that were in there, but the majority was was black American, and there was one black American that had anything good to say about about Joe Biden. Everything was Trump. We need him back. We need, you know, we Trump was the man. Trump this, Trump that. Biden's a piece of crap. But they're looking at how their lives have been so altered in a negative well, and way. Trump, Trump was from Queens. Economics, right, right. You know, and, and, and plus, you could say Queens is Trump's uh, 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 birth ground, you know, where he grew up in. Yeah. But, you know, it was still it was still in all, uh, you know, a lot of the blacks back then when Trump was coming up, there were blacks that came up from the South, you know, that were living in New York, working, working uh, uh, nice paying jobs because the economy was good back then. Well, back in, say, the 60s, before the 60s, uh, 50s, and then all through there, you know, the family's unit was, was, was together, and, and it wasn't uh, before this new reconstruction when Lyndon Baines Johnson was putting everybody on welfare and running the right, right, right. father out of the house. You know what I mean? Yeah. But now, now that that generation is gone, 
and they're in, you know, this generation is in bad, dire straits. But they were doing good under President Trump because he was trying, he was starting to turn it back around, reverse it from what these liberals did to them, what the liberal Democrats had done. Right, that. right. And also what Malcolm X said about a liberal Democrat: you never trust a liberal Democrat. No, no, that's true. Democrat. That's true. But we got to, we got, we got to, we got to keep okay. them. We got to keep the calls short because uh, I have a lot to get okay. through today. But hey, thank well, you so much. I'll finish. All right, All I appreciate right, the call. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Well, a lot of passion today. A lot of passion. And uh, we'll see what happens. Um, all right. So uh, I have a bunch of stuff. I, I want to re-listen to uh, Whitney Webb. Now that we um, heard the breaking news of the cyber attack, and there's even another news flash uh, related to this. Take a listen. No, 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 I don't have that. Okay, so you heard the news flash, uh, how they're talking about cyber attack, China, and they've been doing it for over a year. They've been sending up trial, you know, these uh, uh, balloon, surveillance balloons, hacking into our stuff, and Biden is just sitting, sitting there like a fool, right? Not making any sense. But then we have this. This was this was this is what's going on here. This is Whitney Webb. She was on uh, being interviewed by Clayton Morris on Redacted, and this is what she had to say. So this was said at the WEF annual meeting earlier this year in January by uh, the WEF managing director Jeremy Jerkins. Remember and the last time I played this for you? I said she says WEF that means World Economic Forum. WEF. I played this a couple of weeks ago for you. It was profound then. It's even more profound today because the breaking news is the Chinese cyber attacks. And, uh, Jurgens, as well as the WEF itself, has been involved in a series of simulations for several years now that I'm sure a lot of people in your audience are familiar with, uh, called Cyber Polygon, which has been directly affiliated with uh, Russia's government, as well as some of Russia's biggest banks and some of the biggest commercial banks um, in the world, and also backed by a lot of uh, U.S. federal agencies, which is ironic when you consider, you know, all the about alleged, alleged Russian hacks over the years. They're very willing, under the guise of the WEF, to uh, collaborate with the, you know, supposed hackers um, responsible for everything bad, you know, for se several years ago. Um, so that's quite revealing. Um, but aside from Cyber Polygon, there's a lot that the WEF seeks to accomplish, um, as it relates to the cyber realm. And they've been collaborating in a lot of ways with these same ba big banks and also American intelligence agencies in unprecedented ways that has not really gotten any coverage over the past several years. And a lot of this is housed within a public-private partnership the WEF manages called the World Economic Forum Partnership Against Cybercrime. And uh, these uh, this particular organization, uh, back a, a few years ago... You, you, you better believe that when they say they're fighting against cybercrime, they're actually managing the cybercrime to their advantage. Aimed out with the Carnegie Endowment, um, along with the Federal Reserve, the Bank of England, the European Central Bank, so some of the biggest central banks in the world, as well as some of the biggest commerce in the world, like Bank of America and J.P. Morgan, um, 
how essentially the U.S. financial system was due to be uh, the victim of a massive cyber attack. And if you're familiar with how things have been going in the U.S. financial or banking system recently, uh, things are not in a very good state at all. And regardless of if in you know if there would be or will be a cyber attack in the near future, um, the banking and financial system in the in the United States is in uh, deep doo doo, right? So. Right. Uh, if you're the big banks and the intelligence agencies, you want to avoid what happened after the 2008 economic crisis where there was unprecedented anger at Wall Street because the whole hope and change Obama uh, psyop essentially is probably not going to work again. So how do you allow that collapse to happen because it has to happen in such a way that the banks and the government are essentially blameless well, have a cyber attack happen, and you can literally blame any any nation, state, or group uh, for that hack. And we know this because of what WikiLeaks published right before Julian Assange was completely silenced and then later uh, arrested and dragged out of the Ecuadorian embassy in London, uh, Vault 7, uh, which revealed things like the Umbridge program, among other things, that U.S. intelligence and other intelligence agencies that are affiliated with this WEF partnership against cybercrime have the ability uh, to place the fingerprints of any nation state actor they wish, including Russia, China, Iran, and really North Korea, any other group uh, as well, uh, not just nation states, put their fingerprints in a hack they actually commit themselves. And this is very significant because this offers, you know, these intelligence agencies unprecedented ability to have, uh, to conduct false flag operations in the cyber realm. That's really the key, and that's what I wanted you to hear. See, um, and I, I, like I say, I said this the last time we listened to this. I have like thirty years in IT, and I've seen all kinds of hacking attempts, injection strings, all kinds of stuff. You know, like SQL injection strings. You know, for SQL databases that just wreak havoc on a system. Unbelievable, to, you know, sophisticated hacking that goes on and uh, is exploited. And, you know, you got Bill Gates who basically understands all the tricks and loopholes of the Windows registry keys and the, loop, the, the holes in that, the exploitation of that. And so he's going to play a part in that. He's going to play a part in uh, synthetic foods and farmland and cow flatulence. He's going to play a part in infecting mosquitoes to vaccinate people against their will. He's going to play a part in vaccines in general, the uh, aid and depopulation of the earth. And, you know, because this is all his goal. And these are not my, you know, theories. These are his words. And so, you know, you have all this money and he's making money with every venture. He's no poorer today. He's richer today than he's ever been. How is it that all this do-gooder stuff, right? I'm going to do good. I'm going to like be a philanthropist. Okay, so say you have like a billion dollars. And for 20 years, you, you're acting as a philanthropist. Then shouldn't you be down to like $500 million at that point? If you're a true philanthropist, giving your money away? 
but no. And he's not in the, you know, like, uh, he's just raking it in. So, you know, Bill Gates, uh, a real liar, too. Like, take a listen to this Bill Gates thing where he's laughing with his cohorts about not wearing a mask or about wearing masks. And he's like, wow, you know, he's like, I've never said anything about wearing masks, but you were wearing a mask. Like, the more masks you wear, the, the more liberal you are, right? I don't remember talking about masks at all. But the no, two of you, you were personally were using masks. masks. Yeah. Yeah. I remember you, you seemed like a really extreme case because <laughs> yeah, you would wear the full thing when you'd leave your apartment. And it was like, is he gone home blurred? Is he turned phobic? I was Hope we've learned. And they say with so much, they're laughing with so much pride. Yeah, of course. I listened to you, Bill, wearing the masks. Last year. Yeah, I just don't think of wearing a mask as such a deep inconvenience. I mean... You know, we ask people to wear pants, uh, you know, why... Except when why he's on Epstein this, Island. ...this politicized early stage of the infection. Uh, we thought uh, this was about coughing. We didn't know the simple masks would provide so much benefit. Uh, you get the message about masks to be a, you know, kind of bar- bipartisan, let's protect uh, other people uh, type message. And then... I don't remember... It, it wasn't effective. The masks were a complete and total fabrication of the truth. Um, so, you know, and they lied about climate. They lied about climate. and they, they, The media is in on it. Let's take a listen to this lie. Thank you for joining me. Are you shaking and crying over these doomsday announcements? Well, what I'm scared of is the mainstream media uncritically accepting this codswallop. What I'm scared of is these people get given a microphone and talk about total lies. Hurricanes are not increasing. We have data. Sea level is not increasing. It's some places it's decreasing, other places it's increasing. We're not having an increase in bushfires. We're not having an increase in climate deaths. We have a very large data bank showing us the exact opposite. So what these people are doing is sprouting exactly the opposite to what the data tells us. They're doing it with much more noise. They're getting the very friendly media, like The Guardian, like the mainstream media, saying, oh, we're all doomed. But every single prediction they've ever made has been wrong. Now, they've been doing this for 30 years. Mm. This latest missive was just over 30 pages long. All the science comes much later, so they give us all the scary stuff, but they don't give us their data. Mm. And they still haven't, after 30 years, they still haven't shown us that human emissions drive global warming. What I don't understand is if their predictions aren't accurate or if they're wildly inaccurate, why that doesn't dent their credibility, why the... Um, That's the great question right there. At times with this sceptical media say, well, five years ago you said this and this and none of that happened and you said this and this and actually the opposite happened. Why do we have this situation where it's the boy who cried wolf and every single time crying wolf works? It's a great scare story. We're all going to die. We're all doomed. And it's great for the mainstream media to frighten people front page on the newspaper, lead article on a television program. And 
people fall for the propaganda. There's been a relentless campaign of propaganda for 30 years and the basics haven't been shown. If you cannot show that human emissions of carbon dioxide drive global warming, then all the arguments about coal, about gas, about hydrocarbons are not demonstrated. What, what They're the- wrong. Yeah, I got to say, though, I was hoping for maybe a better answer to why is it that that Al Gore and John Kerry get to keep on lying over the course of 20 years, literally 20 years, they have been lying about climate and they get away with it. To me, that just doesn't make any sense. Here's another big fat lie. And this one to me is is a little bit uh, scary. So I was listening to uh, this news and they were saying, uh, I was listening to a clip from uh, online from uh, The Five. On, it was on YouTube. And um, they were talking about how Nikki Haley is 17 points over uh Biden, she's up 51% to 59%. I mean, 51% to 34% over Biden. And then she says, Trump's up 47% to 43%. So four points versus 17 points. So right away, you're thinking, wow, Haley's the one that we need to rally around. She's the one that can beat Biden without a, you know, without any threat. She's the one. And there would probably be very little election rigging because the BlackRock uh, foreign international globalists' money wouldn't need to be played because they would have a puppet in Nikki Haley because she is a puppet of BlackRock. And so, you know, there's no threat there. So they wouldn't rig the election because, see, they're only going to rig the election if Trump gets in, because Trump's going to dismantle their apparatus. DeSantis isn't, and neither is Nikki Haley. You know who might is someone like RFK Jr., although he's a climate guy, scam, scammer. Um, but uh, for the most part, uh, he also is a sort of like an anti-globalist. And Vivek, as much as he was rooted in globalism, seems to be denouncing globalism. So, you know, it just depends on where you are in the world of the globalist agenda. So I said Globalist News Corp and BlackRock, I'm talking about this poll, it's a Wall Street Journal poll. Globalist News Corp, which owns Fox News and Wall Street Journal, and BlackRock, dominate who dominates the Dow Jones, who also owns a piece of the world, uh, the Wall Street Journal, rigged a fake poll that obviously attempts to promote globalist rhino Black Rid- BlackRock stooge Nikki Haley without insulting the certain Republican nominee and next president for the America, real Donald Trump. So, you know, they got DeSantis tied with Biden, 45-45. So... This poll seems to be totally manufactured. DeSantis, a little too much Trumpian, but not enough to get the Trump base. So we're going to make him 45. We're going to put him even. 
And then we're going to get Trump barely beating Biden, but who knows? It's within the margin of error. And then you got Nikki Haley, the globalist, the BlackRock stooge. She'll win. She will do it. She's a woman. She's a diversity, you know, inclusion. She's uh, not white. She's a woman. She's a globalist. And she's a neocon. Perfect. It's like George Bush on steroids. And that's exactly what they would get. So, naturally, 51-34. She's the one you got to rally behind. She's the one that can get the job done for the Republican Party. And Ronald McDaniel will do the same. Paul Ryan will do the same. In fact, Paul Ryan probably financed this poll. It's a joke. Polls are a joke. You got CNN talking about Georgia and Michigan. This is a whole different story. This is a CNN poll. Let's take a listen. 5 a.m. here in Washington, where we have new CNN poll numbers this morning in two critical battleground states. The news is not great for President Biden and his campaign. The numbers show Donald Trump leading in both Georgia and Michigan. In Georgia, a state Biden carried by a very narrow margin in 2020. Registered voters say they prefer Trump over Biden by 5%. In Michigan, which Trump won in 2016, but Biden carried in 2020, our poll now showing Trump 10 points up. Note that a full 10% of those polled in each state say that they wouldn't support either candidate. Trump's margin over Biden is significantly boosted in both states by people who say they did not vote in 2020. These less engaged voters favored Trump by 26 points in Georgia and 40 points in Michigan. I don't know how you could not vote, but people need to vote uh, simply because the mail-in voting, people are stealing ballots, ballot harvesting. They need to vote in person and they need to counter that fraud that's going on. Everybody needs to take their country back. So let's learn a little bit about BlackRock. Who are they? Company and Larry Fink hold such power. Why is it that you have not heard of them more? There is power in anonymity. If BlackRock is barely featured in print publications and news channels, it is because they want it to be so. If they wanted, they could feature every day. BlackRock currently owns 18% of Fox, 16% of CBS, and 13% of Comcast, which in turn owns NBC, MSNBC, and Sky. If any of those companies wanted to make a decision, they would have to also consult with BlackRock before doing so. The same is true for Google, a tech giant currently worth 800 and $53 billion. Amazon, Facebook, and Twitter are also not exempt. And neither is Disney. Thanks to their incredibly diverse investment portfolio in media alone, BlackRock essentially owns 90% of the world's media. If you don't know about them, it's because they don't want you to. Why? Owning a portion of the world doesn't come without its share of scandal or conflict. In 2020, BlackRock became the first foreign company to be allowed into China's mutual fund industry, which means they can now invest and own parts of Chinese companies, including ones that are blacklisted by the United States. One of the first investments made by BlackRock was in Hikivision. 
a security and communications firm that essentially makes facial recognition software for use by the Chinese government. But this money isn't just BlackRock's or Larry Fink's. It comes from pension funds and bank accounts of ordinary civilians who have unknowingly given money to BlackRock in the past. If we take into account BlackRock's ownership over Western media, banks, e-commerce stores, social media, food and beverages, and many, many more industries, it becomes evident that the company has a wealth of data on us. They may do with it what they please. TikTok's data harvesting pales in comparison to what BlackRock is capable of, given how they have everything from our bank account numbers to our personal tastes and preferences. As BlackRock's investment in China grows, so will China's influence on the world. And our personal data, which was hanging on a thread to begin with, will quickly end up in the wrong hands. With the trajectory BlackRock... So, you, you know, you listen to that. Look, China, they don't even have to hack. BlackRock doesn't have to hack. They own the store. They could just go into the database. They have people working in every one of these companies. They don't have to hack to get your data. They already own the data. It's like, you know, they have, it's, it's an encrypted database, but they have the encryption key. They have the keys to everything. So, you know, forget about hacking. They don't need to hack to get your data. But if hacking will happen at some point. We're going to go ahead and take a caller. Uh, caller, you're on the air. Hey, good morning, Scott. Good morning. Hey, uh... <clears throat> So, at the beginning of that of that uh, the video that you played, they told everything in a nutshell. There's power in anonymity. That's why they want to take away our cash. That's why they want to monitor our phones. That's why they want to know everything that we do and say and think. Right, because, because they want to punish you. They want to punish you for your opinions. You're, you, if you tell the truth, they want to punish you for it. If you want to whistleblow, they want to punish you for it. That's why they have whistleblowers, because whistleblowers are anonymous so that they don't get uh, murdered or, you know. Right. Well, you know, what people don't understand is the majority of the of the monitoring is 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 in place to monitor their own because they're afraid of betrayal from within. So they're, they're watching their own people. Oh, I have a bigger problem with all. I have a bigger problem with Biden and Trudeau than I ever had with Putin. And yet they want to tell me, me Putin's evil, evil and everybody else is uh, a saint. Uh, let me ask you this. Uh, those uh, Klaus Schwab videos that you play, who's he talking to? Well, he's either talking on stage or he's conduct. He's, he's, he's a subject of an interview. Yeah. These are um, his statements. But, I mean, is it when he's talking on stage, he's talking to an audience, right? Yeah, of course. Uh, who? Who are they? Well, they're all billionaires. They're not allowed in that auditorium until... Um, but they're proud of their work. You know, they post some of this stuff on their own website. But the people that are sitting in there have paid $600,000 a year just to be uh, attending Davos. That's like well, the, the entrance reason why I ask. The reason why I ask is because it sounds to me like he's, he's, he's laying a groundwork uh, like he's he's forming a path for people to follow rather than uh, sounding the alarm bell on, you know, 
that all these terrible things might happen. It sounds like they're he's making suggestions or or uh, almost giving orders. Well, yeah, and who elected and made him boss? Exactly. I know. <laughs> I mean, that's the point. But thank you for calling. Him. We're up against the end all of right, the show, yeah. but thanks. Yeah. Thanks, bye. All right. Um, so, you know, I wanted to say this. I said this yesterday. It's a profound thought. It's a profound theory. And I want to say it again. So <clears throat> I posted this. You know, the politicians and CIA, we've been talking about using ISIS as uh, mercenaries to guard the oil that was running out of Iraq, who was not, you know, that was not gov- being governed properly, right? So Iraq was, you know, just a free-for-all, like the Wild West. There was a lot of oil wells, a lot of oil. And so what happened was, uh, you know, Russia owns Syria, that Syria is a puppet of Russia. But they had to run, so they store, they put ISIS in Syria, and they controlled Syria to a certain degree, knowing Russia wouldn't come down and fight for it. But they ran also through Turkey, and they were running oil, into Africa and into Europe. But there was another big component of this. Remember the weapons of mass destruction. Where did they go? No weapons of mass destruction? White House says search found no banned weapons. Well, they did find the banned weapons, but they put them up like Metabiota. They put the weapons of mass destruction up into Ukraine, thinking... If ever a conflict with Russia, they could utilize the bioweapons and neutralize a Russian threat. And everybody saw that as a good idea. Of course, that's illegal. So no country could really sanction that. So they did it on a clandestine operation through the CIA and private investors like Mitt Romney and his cohort, Kofor Black. And they sat on boards like with Hunter Biden, like with Burisma. And they called themselves patriots, like Lindsey Graham and John McCain would go through the Middle East and up in Latvia and Montenegro and into Ukraine and run this pipeline of stuff going into Ukraine. And then Russia said, well, you know, if you're worried about Russia neighboring Poland or or, I'm worried about Ukraine neighboring Russia. And at some point they made the calculation that they were going to go ahead and just take Ukraine, and if, if they're going to be neighboring up and butting up their border against a NATO nation, they may as well gain Ukraine's land to boot. And that's what they did. And they also gathered up all the weapons that were used against them and, you know, disrupted what Victoria Nuland put together, which was Metabiota and a whole bunch of other uh, labs and illegal things in Ukraine. And this is why we have the Ukraine conflict right now. And it all comes from the Bush years, really. But people aren't talking about that the way it should be. Well, we're up against the uh, end of the show. Be sure to check out Magapack. Make a donation if you can to help keep the Scott Adams Show commercial free. Also use Red State over at MyPillow.com. And we'll see you next time on the radio. Goodbye, everybody.